Tanmay, let's talk about your wildflower shot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's just flowers, right? Yeah. But you've done something... You've, just, you've done something different here. It looks like uh, there's like there's drama and there's like uh, uh, depth, and it just looks really interesting. And I'm trying to understand um, what was your process here. If we can kind of go on a journey, if you can rewind back in time, um, did, was there any planning involved in in this in this shot, or was it a spontaneous shot? Uh, okay, so I'll t- tell you how how everything all of this uh, came about. So I think uh, a storm a storm was passing us by, uh, and that there was a good chance of uh, showers. Um, and uh, usually storms are best photographed um, from the west at at sunset um, because you get light directly entering the storm from one side, and if you have any sort of rain, you end up getting r- rainbows. Uh, so that is something I was chasing for some time. So we don't get too many storms here, especially rain storms are not very common. Um, we did get a few this season and I was able to chase a few of them. So, uh, my first chase was unsuccessful because I was just not at the right place at the right time, uh, to chase it. But this time I started my chase very early on in the day. So I took half a day off. Um, I started my chase at two o'clock, uh, in the afternoon now uh, the sunset was at 7 30 or something like that so i did have some good, good amount of time and we basically started um driving towards the um towards where the cloud deck was ending and um we we basically kind of knew where we might find wildflowers so i was i was trying uh, driving around with a friend uh pankaj uh, who uh, who i shoot with uh, quite often these days because uh, he's also pretty enthusiastic and he's always willing to uh, get out on like, short notice so and we also stay pretty mm-hmm. close by so it is pretty good for us to carpool and stuff so uh we started the shoot we so basically this this place uh, is is a bunch of hills with some hiking trails on them uh so we we were scouting the area so we started the shoe uh, the hike in the afternoon and there was no light there so sun was still above the clouds um so we basically scouted uh, a good four or five uh, no not four or five probably two 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 and a half mile stretch of land uh, of trails uh, and we we found flowers uh, in some part of the trail so we kind of um, made mental notes of where the flowers are and which direction the light will have to come from to basically photograph them uh, and we did do a few trial shots so basically just try to see if the composition works um, or how i can compose a shot if if the light happens um, and um, so basically if you see the trail that goes till the very end of the shot so uh, if, yeah, you, if you can see near the yeah, so yeah near the rainbow so we we had basically walked till the very end there um, and then uh, the sun started coming down uh, and as soon as i realized the sun is going to come down and we are going to get some sort of rainbows um, i started uh, walking back to towards the flowers because i knew that we have to start shooting now because once the sun is out of the clouds uh, you probably just have like an hour hour and a half to capture everything you want and then the light is gone and even that then um, we were expecting some rain to happen so we didn't know how long we will have the opportunity to shoot so as soon as the sun started peeping out we started running back to our uh, to the spots that we had uh, scouted earlier 
um and <clears throat> basically for th- this particular shot i had to uh get my camera down almost onto the ground so these flowers are really small if you seen the them in person they're probably just a c- couple of uh inches tall um or uh, and i think even even with the even with uh the the um that there were a few taller flowers uh, which might have been like 4 or 5 inches tall but uh the average height was probably just 2 to 3 inches uh so i had to be very very close to the ground uh so i basically laid my tripod flat um and i have a tripod i use a tripod without a center column because that just allows me to go flat and very close to the foreground easily without having to uh fiddle around with the center column you know trying to reverse it put it in the position and then again while un, un like it it just becomes very cumbersome in my opinion and i and i really like uh, the the compact size of this tripod so it's it's, yeah. it's tall enough uh, to be what tripod my, is it I, um it is uh, a sunway photo tripod uh, the night series uh, of tripod uh, and it is basically c- carbon fiber uh, really lightweight and really sturdy as well and can get completely flat on the ground um which is i, I think my uh, you know that, that is what i like the most about the, this tripod compared to the others other ones which i've used um so i i got very close to the ground and i did some focus stacking as you can see the four the the, the flowers which are the most uh, the closest to the lens uh they are out out of focus because um they are closer than the minimum focusing distance of my lens and i think that kind of gives some depth some additional depth to the photograph because some of the flowers are uh, out of focus uh, at in the very foreground um and i think this is this is probably a four or five sh- uh, five shot uh, uh focal length blend so i basically did like i think three shots for the foreground um and one shot for the b- b- background what's your uh, process for focus stacking uh i i just uh, run and gun uh, i mean i don't i don't try to do a lot of math or something i i try to uh, shoot at f11 f8 uh, f8 to f11 uh, i don't want to uh go to f16 or something because if you anyway focus stacking there's no real point of getting extra dispersion in your images so i i try to shoot at whatever focal length gives me the sharpest photos and then i i try to basically focus on different points uh in the frame as i go up so basically i can see the frame in my uh, in the back of my camera and i i just uh, use my touch screen to tap on say different flowers in this case yeah. uh, so i'll probably tap here once tap here once and then tap here tap here um, and that that will kind of give me uh, the complete uh, field of view um, and then mm. uh, for for the background i'll tap it here once and then i think i'm done do you um, do you use the inbuilt focus stacking feature at all like i know some cameras have that right no no i don't do any any i don't use any inbuilt features of the camera so i will i will take this into the uh, photoshop um and then just blend them manually i don't even use uh photoshop's automatic blending mode because i don't like uh, it so it kind of creates some artifacts or halos around stuff um or like very sharp edges um and it can get uh, some uh it 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 creates some weird artifacts in the image which look horrible when once you print it out uh so i try to try to manually blend it as much as possible and if you have done focus stacking in planes uh then it is kind of easy to um basically just use gradient filters to uh, uh to blend the image together and then do some manual br- brushing to uh to bring some uh, objects which might be out of focus 
um it it takes some work uh, but it is not too bad and what i usually try to do is if if i'm working on such complex scenes that require a lot of blending i will try to do blending in one shot uh, so basically uh, try to uh, this is an exposure plus a focus stack uh, so a bunch of different shots uh, gone in, in into this uh, so i try to uh, go into lightroom i edit one shot um, that seems to have the most in focus and have the best light i will pro- uh, process the shot in lightroom um, and then basically uh, sync all of the photos uh, which are either part of the focus or exposure stack uh, and then make them all look alike export them to um, uh, export them as dngs open them in photoshop and then first do exposure blending so basically i will create every uh, so i will try to exposure blend every focus stack first and then uh, take those exposure blended images and then try to focus blend them it takes some time but to be honest it, it takes me like just uh, you know maximum for this image it would have taken me 20 minutes to do it um, because i i probably just become more used to doing it uh, so i also uh, follow the so ba- basically what you do in the field uh, can directly be leveraged in your uh, post processing flow so i think more uh, as as you become more aware of your own post processing flow you can become uh, better in the field as well at least for your own mm-hmm. processing flow that may not necessarily work for everybody else but it it will uh, definitely at least aid your own processing style so for me um, i will i will first blend the images export them out and keep them uh, and then just leave them as is for a few weeks and then come back to them and then do the actual processing on that um Mm. in this particular image how many total how many total images yeah. do you do you do you do you do you, do you take like uh, including the the focus stacks and the exposure think, blends okay so here i would have taken 12 15 images uh, i i would think uh, i may not end up using all of them but i i still shoot as many exposures and mm. focal uh, planes as possible because uh once you go back into your computer if you do not have enough d- data then you feel bad so rather than uh getting disappointed later you just shoot more in the field um uh, and you're done with one shot so you have taken 15 exposures of the same scene uh, uh focusing at different planes and uh, having different exposures that hopefully you will have all the data you need to process this scene and i i will try like a couple of different compositions and do the same with those and that's it cameras these days have pretty good dynamic ranges right do you still feel like yeah. you need to take multiple exposures uh yeah i i okay that's a good point uh, you probably don't um you probably don't anymore uh uh but at least for the shadows i i would recommend at least taking two exposures two or three uh, stops apart so that you have at least uh, one and okay not just that uh, for while you're photographing flowers i think it also helps uh, with um, just getting sharper flowers uh so say you if you're taking 15 exposures um the wind wind is always flowing it may start stop while you're taking the shot um uh and it you you might see that a darker darker exposure even though it has more noise uh, the flowers are sharper because you were shooting a faster exposure so it is not only giving you more dynamic range which is probably not very useful for scenes like these but it is also giving you more shutter speeds to work with 
so your sky is going to be sharp uh, because it's not moving as fast but your flowers especially could definitely use some faster shutter speeds so what you could do is you could uh, you know just try to get the de- details out of the darker images put them into your brighter images uh, and stuff like that so shooting more exposures is probably not necessary but i feel it is recommended at least from the way i shoot um because the more data you have uh the better um and um i have examples i mean i haven't put out those images yet uh but i have examples where uh, you know i have i have had to use um different exposures to get the flowers to look sharp in the photo mm-hmm. especially if you have uh very uh, if you're shooting in very windy conditions uh it's very hard to get those flowers sharp and dark in focus and stuff so yeah. just 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 having taking more shots is is just uh, just to clarify one thing here mm-hmm. so let's say uh let's say you've identified uh three different uh points mm-hmm. in which to focus stack yeah um would you do, do you do the shadows and the highlights for each of those three is that how you approach it so you'd come out with six total images yes yeah i would yeah i would do that so i would uh, i don't don't even do six i would i will do nine i i just do uh uh bracketed shots plus two minus two ev uh, and i'll usually try to under expose a little bit uh, for the middle exposure and then i will do three shots so that i, I at least get one really fast uh, shutter speed shot for flowers at least uh so that um even though it might appear dark you at least have the sharpness in there um uh, uh, so you can use that uh to enhance uh, your final shot um uh it is there anything that you do of, to uh, mm. uh, to identify these things uh, in post like do you the beginning and the end of of the set uh so i so basically once you have uh, matched the total exposures for all of these images they look identical um in terms of uh, the colors and exposure and everything um so you you can go in and see you basically have to you have a trade off versus between noise and sharpness um and these new, new cameras have become so good that uh, with a little bit of uh processing you can get rid of most of the noise and if you have especially taken bracketed exposures you can just re- replace the the darkest part of the image uh, with a brighter exposure which has lesser amount of noise so i take the details from the darker images um and uh, the shadows from the brighter images um and i combine them uh, so basically these nine shots will get combined into three shots and then i go and blend those three shots and i will not necessarily so um if i'm doing a focus stack stack for the sky part i will i will just take one single exposure because that exposure is enough i don't have to really blend for the noise uh, or like for shadows and stuff so i will blend only where it is required if it's not required if i feel that one shot is enough in that place uh, i don't have to exposure blend it i will just use one single frame and and uh, be done with it only when it's Got required it. uh, i will try to blend it so i have more data than required in in all possible scenarios uh, if required i'll use it if i don't think it's necessary i just uh, just skip it i don't know if you already touched upon this but how do you how did you envision this particular uh, composition uh, so so what i'm getting at is um, so so you're in so you're in the field and you you know you're scouting around you you, you said you're walking down that path and you found this particular uh, yeah. these these group of flowers 
Yeah. Uh, were there other compositions that came to mind and do you like tend to focus on one particular composition if you, if you just shoot one then then you, you you know you get this feeling like you know are you missing out on other opportunities right. okay so i okay one thing i would like to tell you about myself is i'm pretty decisive so i i i can make decisions quickly uh, at least uh, and they may be wrong they may be right but uh, i i can make decisions quickly i can make up my mind quickly uh so what i usually do is when i'm walking around and i'm scouting uh i will always have my camera on my chest uh, i always strap it to my uh, backpack and i will i, I will tr- at least try to you know compose with, with my camera i may not be shooting anything but i'm just composing shots while walking around and anything that excites me uh, if if i look at a scene and i just get excited just by looking at it i i know that there is something in it uh, that is is caught, uh, you know that is creating some sort of uh, visual flow or some sort of tension that, that is um, exciting me so i try to identify that and then uh, so here in this particular image that path that path really leads into the light kind of right so um i saw that path and i knew i wanted to include it um the problem uh, with shooting these flowers is that they're very low to the ground uh so if mm. you are getting very close to the ground everything that is uh these hills are going up and down right so anything uh, that is obs- it's very easy to for things to get obscured behind any any slope so i had to kind of compose and recompose again and again you know place the camera in different positions to get the the path uh, in the view um so i think i always knew, knew that i wanted this meandering path um in in the in the background um i knew the light was good it was coming in directionally from one side creating this nice sea colored sh- uh, the sea sea shaped uh no, no, shape what am i saying yes c shape um and uh, there was basically a good flow so you you had these flowers which are pointing upwards then you go into that path um and then that path leads you into the mountains in the distance where the rainbow is there and there are these uh, interesting clouds and light is coming from the side uh i i i could just just imagine so as soon as i saw these flowers i knew i wanted that to be in the background because i had already seen it from different vantage points as i was walking along the trail and uh, after that i i knew the light was coming from that side so i kind of had to shoot in that side um so i kind of knew the elements that i wanted in my shot and then it just becomes a um um act of you know moving your camera around enough to find out how you can make it work it doesn't work in every scenario i have many shots from that day that did not work uh because uh, you know the density of flowers wasn't enough or uh you know there was a lot of uh out oh, oh, grow overgrowth in the foreground because there's just too many things poking around different colored rocks which are making the scene messy and stuff so not it will not always work out but if you're trying to find a uh, simple simple foregrounds um that that can work with a good flowing background i think it it is just easier um i do have many scenes from the, the same day which are shot but the, i don't think they flow as well um because of just how everything came together in the shot uh the flowers co- colors the colors really work well uh in the shot j- just in addition to the directional light uh so i think that also kind of gives that uh impact here because the flowers are bright pink everything else is green um so i think they they are very good complementary colors um and the light is directional uh, and it, it is all natural so whatever you see in the image is how it looked uh, it probably looked even better um uh, in person uh but 
yeah i mean good good conditions make for better for photographs uh, you don't really have to work too hard um i think post processing is obviously very very important to bring out that uh, the the feeling and trying to eliminate all the distractions from the image so i can i can try to talk about how post processing helped me um uh, you know bring out the the drama in, in this image um sure so uh, one thing i can i can uh, try to point out here is is how you can see the shadows here at the bottom are not very dark so there's there's still a lot of detail in those shadows even though it looks darker than the the upper part of the image uh, there is still a good amount of detail in here so um if you if you look at paintings uh, what a lot of painters do is they basically block out color so they don't paint uh, direct details um on on you know white canvas uh, what they do is they they will block out parts of the image based on what color is going to go so if if i were an artist i would have you know painted the top half of, uh, of the sky blue in color uh the center part would be more green yellow in color and the darker uh, the bottom part would be a more darker shade of green uh and that right. is kind of the blocking you do um when you are painting a scene so that kind of gives the the shadows uh an inherent color uh shadows are not completely black they are dark green and when you are looking at it in person that is what you see so your eyes can focus only on one small part of the image at a time um or not an image uh, of a scene at a time uh, when you look at the shadows you see dark green shadows you don't see blacks or don't see blues necessarily it it will be a cooler tone of greens but it is not an absolute black color so yeah. i try to try to you know use those same techniques um in in uh, my editing as well so i will basically uh, so this particular image didn't require a lot of a uh, lot of that blocking but at least for the bottom part of the image what i did was basically create um, opaque uh, green color like dark green uh, cooler shade of green and uh, spread it across the bottom half of the image uh, and just reduce the opacity to like just 2 3% um and then mm. uh, it kind of gives um, a, a, a tonality to it and also brings up the shadows just a little bit and then uh, all of the 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 highlights that you see in the shadows then i try to bring those highlights up so so, so that it kind of mimics some details in the shadow uh, so that yeah. kind of gives some extra depth to uh, the shadows of an image uh, and this this technique so this these techniques uh, i have sort of come up with uh, on my own to some extent and also like watching other people's tutorials uh, but it's possible that i might have seen a tutorials 5 years ago that didn't make sense back then but now as my editing style has improved uh, those things make more sense uh, so i try to go back to older videos again and again and see if there are techniques that i can work in different scenes require different kind of editing techniques uh, so if you're working on forest scenes or scenes that that have a lot of high frequency shadow detail basically like a lot of lot of shadows lot of detail in the shadows a lot of jagged information um then those kind of scenes uh, can really use with you know just putting these uh, opaque layers of uh, of um, uh, basically to to create some bringing up the shadows have some color in your shadows and um, tone down the uh, tone down the details uh, in your in your blacks um mm. and it it comes with experience a lot of trial and error just to clarify the green in the shadow is it's because of the grass here right 
Correct. It's yes. not going to be yeah. green in every yeah. yeah. No. So no. depending on the scene you're at, you ha- you have to kind of know what the shadow color. Yeah. Yeah. Was. Basically, I I try to derive colors from the image itself. Uh, don't don't try to um try to force my own color schemes and things. Uh, as much as possible. Uh, so you would see that my color schemes are not very same throughout um, my portfolio. So. uh i i just mm-hmm. let the image di- dictate uh, what colors i want to choose there and usually nature looks beautiful on its own you don't have to change the color of things um uh not to say i don't don't replace skies and stuff once in a while i do do that as well uh but even then in those scenes i try to work with the original colors of the sky and the the foreground and i i spend a lot yeah. of time choosing the right sky i don't just plop anything that i like into the image and make it work somehow i try to really see what kind of light would have been there what the sky would look look like in that kind of light what colors it would produce what colors it would reflect onto the ground and stuff like that i don't just uh you know oh, i found this an awesome sky in my library oh i'm just going to put this uh, and then try to make the image work somehow i don't i don't do, do, do that so i let the image dictate how i'm going to edit it and what sort of colors i'm going to mm. work with and stuff like that so so if you're letting the image dictate or nature mm. uh, depending on the scene and, yeah. and how nature looks yeah uh, each of your image is going to look kind of like a bit different than each other yeah. right you're right, just right. bringing out the best in each image in, independently how do you maintain a cohesive look across your portfolio or do you not care about that i i mean yeah you do have to care about it to some extent but i think my style has de- developed uh, my the the way i i perceive uh, my own images has developed in a certain way that all the images kind of looks like they're edited by the same person um, you can you can i think now people can recognize my style uh and i end up with um you know similar kind of contrast levels in my images a similar kind of saturation level and stuff there are obviously so um if i look at my histograms um uh, they they look very similar to each other uh, which is probably not the best thing uh, they, they can be inverted in how they look but the the shape of the histogram is similar so you basically have like a peak in the shadows and then you might have a peak in the high mids and then it falls down and then where these peaks are kind of keeps changing uh, but uh, mm. that that is how the image uh, kind of looks like so that basically means you have a lot of detail in your high mid tones a lot of detail in your low mid tones um, and then it just tapers off after that and uh that kind of gives a particular style but again i don't know if my work is 100% co- co- cohesive um to to be honest because i am building off of these uh scenes that themselves so don't know if i really have a very um, consistent way of editing and i i just if if i'm not feeling an image someday i'll just leave it move on and then come back after 6 months and then edit it again so even there the consistency could change because my editing has changed in the 6 months that that have passed so um styles can change but again like yeah it's just my my own eyes right so they they don't change too much depth is something that you convey a lot in a, in a in a really powerful way in a lot of your shots right right um, yeah how how do you actually do that what's your process of uh, you know you're in a scene and like how do you bring out the depth in a scene and i, I know you touched upon the flow of things yeah, uh, yeah. do you do you normally just look for the flow yeah i think i think you need to find the flow in the image if you're trying to force the flow uh, it takes a lot more effort um uh, and uh, i think 
there are definitely ways to replicate or create flow but if you are um if somebody with with enough experience is looking at your image is not very hard to spot so it's you you can e- easily spot what you've doctored what you've not doctored i mean obviously there are uh, people who are really good at editing uh, and i may not be able to spot what they're doing but at least for my own work if i re- realize that if i am trying to force a perspective it may may not necessarily always work out so i try to try to see what the image itself is pr- providing me with so the, basically i'm given an inventory um of visual elements in the shot and then i am trying to work with that visual uh, inventory to uh, create the kind of effect i want um so one thing i have really, really um i think learned um so I, I i i do look at a bunch of different artworks uh, at all all, all times so i'm always trying to you know constantly look at uh, work of other people and uh, even um your um, your f- uh, landscape uh, painters and stuff uh, i have a bunch of uh, books in my house that i'll keep looking and keep f- flipping through especially if if i'm working on complex scenes i love working on complex scenes because uh, mm. there is just you know so much detail work you can do in them um so for images like that i try to see how you know painters have uh, have tried to approach this scene so you have trees in your foreground they're very close to you so you will have a lot of contrast in those uh, the foreground stuff and then as you move away from uh, the uh, the viewer the st- start stuff uh, starts getting lesser and lesser contrasty but if you just re- reduce the contrast then st- stuff starts looking hazy or blurry and that is not something that looks good in an uh, in a photograph especially if you're looking at it in a smaller screen uh, so you have to basically do some uh, high level edits first so you choose different depths in the image and try to you know work on their contrast uh, in a in a broad way and then uh, go in and use dodge and burn tool to paint in the details by hand so whatever details you might have lost uh, while doing contrast work in global way uh, you try to add it back in dodge and burn um so if there are shadows on a mountain i will paint in the shadows i will paint in the highlights which kind of gives it more pop but still the micro contrast is low uh, and that will give you a feeling of depth in your shot so i think contrast contrast is what uh, what really brings in a feeling of depth uh and i feel it takes a lot of effort um and especially to make it visible on a small screen is really hard uh so it takes in a lot of effort if you if you're starting with images with good depth to begin with um, um by the means of having uh, atmosphere or fog and stuff like that uh, th- that makes your job a lot easier in post processing uh but if you do not have that then you have to work really hard to uh, you know get that that contrast right and i think the key is to not publish your image quickly uh you basically just edit it keep it around for some time look at it after two weeks yeah. uh make some tweaks then again look at it uh, after two two weeks and then after you've seen basically you should become desensitized to your own work to right. uh, to an extent yeah. where you you're able to see flaws in it um and then keep fixing them and once you think uh, you've you reached an inflection point basically a point of no return uh, not no no return basically you've hit a plateau after which your effort is not really changing the image enough then you should just stop no, you lose sense of your judgment mm-hmm. basically right yeah after a while yeah and uh, you, your 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 tweaks are so small that you yourself are not not sure whether the image actually changed or not then after that you should just stop 
um if you still feel the image is not working just let it go uh, try it uh, try it again uh, when you're feeling better or feeling differently um uh, so you you should be very open to doing a lot of hard work uh, i don't know if it's worth it to be honest for some people it is i find it very zen to do it is kind of like you know my relax way to relax uh, just you know painting on uh, a photograph if you find that interesting feel yeah. free to do it uh, if you're not enjoying it as much uh, you can try to you know use some faster ways of doing it i'm sure that there is you know you can do better refined search uh, define okay you, you you can do better selections and use uh, tools like clarity and texture and stuff like that to achieve mm-hmm. that to some extent i don't know how if you will be able to get the same results but uh, you it, it's plenty good for instagram at least so do you use a pen or use a mouse yeah i i got a wacom recently because I, like everybody swears, swears by it and i i eventually ended up getting it um and um, uh, yeah i like it a lot i think it, it just makes it more Im- immersive more interactive uh, to edit things which one did you get the medium uh yeah yeah i have the wacom pro tablet medium size i think i think so i got used i didn't do a lot of researches bought used uh, uh yeah one more thing i am a big proponent of buying used camera gear uh, again carbon footprint uh, mm-hmm. you you can uh, if you if you're really not looking for the latest and greatest uh, Uh, I would like to send out that message that you should also consider used gear because that way you can at least offset a good portion of the cam the carbon footprint of that product. Uh, so actually, what what what's in your bag? What what can can you share what's in your bag? What what gear do you use? Uh yeah sure. Uh so I I have two camera bodies. Um I have the A seven three and the A seven R three. Uh Sony's mirrorless cameras. Uh I. switch to them mainly for the size uh, i like my camera gear to be as light and small as possible because i myself am not very big uh, so the smaller the camera gear the better for me um, and um, also uh, i i use mostly tamron lenses uh, because they are the smallest in size and also i would like to say that i'm i am their ambassador uh, but Uh, I don't use their lenses only because I'm their ambassador. I I do have other non uh, Tamron lenses as well. Uh, but my main criteria for my gear is that it should be small and light uh, uh, with uh, sufficient Im- image quality. So it's not like I'm using the lightest gear out there. Uh, I'm using probably some of the lightest stuff out there, uh, which has acceptable level of uh, image quality. And sometimes if I feel mm-hmm. the shots are not sharp enough, uh, I will try to take four or five shots and then average them uh, to get uh, better sharpness. If if uh, if the sharpness is of ut- utmost importance to me, so you. you can achieve more detail even by just uh, doing some post processing uh, by a- averaging shots so you're basically just just doing um uh, super resolution basically not all of your images are the same there there'll be some minor pixel shift in all of your images and that can mm-hmm. help you extract more detail out of um, the same shots that you're taking with your a7 uh r3 you you can create you know 100 150 megapixel images by using these algorithms so if you really want super sharp images you could go down that route and i try to keep mm. i i don't use the most expensive lenses i don't have the sony g master lenses uh, because they're very big heavy expensive 
um so i i use um, you know tamron softrings uh, which are probably 90% as good in image quality but 50% in mm. weight uh, 30% in cost um so yeah um i i have a very basic camera set. so if i if i'm hiking i will take super lightweight camera setup so i just have two lenses uh, the 17 to 28 mm f2.8 and the 28 to 200 mm uh, so something f something i don't know what f it is um um mm. and j- just these two lenses will give me 17 mm to 200 mm range and i can essentially shoot almost all of my landscape work in this uh if i want to Wait, go so you have the 17 sorry 17 yeah. to 17 to 35 to 28 and then to, you have the tw- 28 to 200 so you got 17 to 28 and then 28 to 200 so the, yeah. the other lens is 28 to 200 so that's yeah. like a general purpose lens Yes, uh, it is not the fastest okay. lens and it is not the sharpest, um, but at at wider mm. end it is pretty sharp. Uh, and I feel um, even if the shots are not super sharp, uh, just the fact that it is so small and easy to use, I end up photographing more things with that lens than I would have with my you know if if I were to use three separate lenses to do the same task. So earlier okay. I had an ultra wide, a mid range zoom, and then uh, a telephoto zoom. um but mm. i was finding it harder to change the lenses in the field i just carry one camera body most of the time um and just changing lens so many times kind of slows me down so i would rather have uh, a general purpose zoom with 80% image quality than having uh, uh these um, you know sh- smaller zoom ranges with slightly higher image quality um yeah. i think for 90% use cases this lens lens is good if i'm if i'm uh traveling in my car and if i want the best image quality then i like carry a different uh different set of lenses then i will carry my sony's ultra wide i will carry the 12 to 24 mm um f4 i don't have the f20 uh, f2.8 i have f4 uh, which is because it's smaller and lighter uh then i have the 35 to 150 from tamron uh that is an extremely sharp lens it is also good for astro stuff uh, so, and it is f2 to f2.8 so re- really fast uh, so e- even if i want to do portraits and stuff i can do portraits with that uh, shoot animal animals um, if i ever encounter uh, and uh, also good for astro so uh, you have mm. 35 mm f2 which is plenty good for shooting any um, any basic um, milky way shots and e- even if you want to do track shots uh, it provides some really high quality images and for telephoto i use the 150 to 500 so it gives me the full range um mm. i had the 200 to 600 mm from sony i really like that lens it looks good and it has extremely sharp images but it is really big and it used to occupy my entire camera bag with just one lens and it was super heavy uh so i ended up selling that lens and i got the smaller 150 to uh, 500 so it is how important how important is think, do you think that range is for landscape photographer the 500 lens uh i think is is really important uh, especially so uh, th- there was a phase when i was shooting a lot of t- telephoto stuff because you can you know narrow down on really small scenes uh, and you mm. know compress things and create really good layers so i i feel it opens up a very uh, different genre of landscape photography to you and i think i think it's very uh, interesting to do and sometimes uh, you, you might get burned in a very small area in the sky and you you might just want to photograph that or you know some interesting piece of light happening on top of a mountain which you cannot uh, reach with your uh, 200 mm lens so you want that uh, 150 to 500 um i think it can give you some really cool perspectives uh, i i i always try to carry my 150 to 500 if i have the uh, space 
So you're carrying three lenses, then you're carrying the 17 one, and then you're carrying the 28 to 200, and then you're carrying the, is it the 200 to 500? 150 to 500. 150 to 500. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty heavy, heavy bag, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty heavy bag. I also have uh, one or two tripods. So the bag is definitely heavy. My bags can sometimes reach like 1215 kilograms, uh, which is like 30, 35 pounds. What bag um, do you use? Uh, I have the F-Stop uh, Ultralight series. So I have the F-Stop uh, Loka, uh, which is their bigger ultralight bag. Uh, I use the ultralight bag because I, uh, I I had the regular Tilopa series backpack and I found the backpack itself was really heavy. Um, and the uh, level of protection that that bag offers versus uh, the ultralight series is I found them to be almost the same. Uh, the I've been using the ultralight series for five years now and the bag is still in great condition. It is not torn anywhere, no uh, sign of like big wear and tear. So I, I don't see a reason to change and it's pretty comfortable. Um, if I really have to go backpacking, then I use a different pack. Uh, I have the Osprey 70 liter pack, which I fill with my camera gear. Uh, uh, because you need like just better suspension system if you're going backpacking. Uh, but for most of my r- <laughs> regular use, I just use a- 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 F-stop bags uh, and I have used them for many years and yeah, they're good. You, you use only one bag for everything or you have, uh, I mean, uh, uh, not, I, not the backpacking stuff, uh-huh. but otherwise. Uh, no, I, I also have a peak design backpack for uh, when I'm going to more urban settings. So for example, if I'm going to Tokyo or, uh, um, you know, going mm. to uh, NYC or uh, Seattle or something. And if I'm just going to spend all of my time in the city, I try to take a bag that does not look like a hiking backpack. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, just for aesthetical reasons, I guess I, there's no good reason for actually for me to switch uh, but ju- just that the f- uh, photography bag has a lot of straps on it and if you're walking in the city it, it tends to get caught in things and stuff so it can look a bit more sophisticated right with the peak design bag <laughs> uh, yeah yeah and i also uh, I, I don't carry as much gear when i'm going to urban settings so i can also downsize a little bit and it can also allow me what to do you carry with you when you travel like, let's say you, you, you're traveling to, like, I don't know, New York or something. What do you carry with you? I'll take my 17 to 28, 28 to 200, uh, one small tripod, and that's it, I think. That's it. What's that's the small tripod that you have? Um, so, if I am going to... Sh- so, it depends on what kind of scenes I'm going to shoot. If I'm going to shoot handheld, then I have this really small tripod that I got off of Amazon. I don't know what brand it is, uh, but it works really well. It's a- a- aluminum, but re- really small. Um, and it can get completely flat onto the ground. Uh, so if I'm just going to shoot from, you know, um, uh, big windows or observatories and stuff, this tripod is good. You can hide it anywhere. It's the size of a bottle. Uh, you just open it, keep it. It's very hard to spot. It's black in color. Uh, people won't even know there's a tripod there. Uh, but if I am taking, you know, uh, actual, if I'm actually use, going to use a tripod, then I have a small Sunway photo tripod, which can uh, get pretty pretty tall uh, so uh, till my eye level uh, with completely extended the center column and stuff it is very similar to the uh, Gizzo uh, Mountaineer series I guess pretty mm. pretty thin and light but still sturdy enough uh, all carbon fiber um, um, that is what I took to Japan as well uh, that was pretty pretty comfortable especially if you're not shooting in like super windy places and stuff it's it's pretty decent it can it can mm. t- t- do the job um, and what's the big tri- the main tripod that you use 
uh i have i recently got a big photo pro one um i don't know what it is called uh but it's like a giant uh tripod uh, all carbon fiber uh, again uh but it is really tall it's like seven seven and a half feet tall so goes much higher mm. above me um i go, got that from that uh, international landscape photographer year of the uh, for photographer of the year competition uh, as a prize um mm. and i use that for astro stuff now so i have my star tracker uh, mounted in that and i use that exclusive for astro work um i have a medium size tripod which is like my main tripod which is from sunway photo on the night series it's very lightweight of uh, my eye level so which is enough for me in most 99% of my scenarios and it does really well underwater as well uh, so it is very very well insulated and doesn't get dirty easily and stuff so i really like that tripod i've used many many tripods over the years and i think uh, this this is the design that i have come to like now do you use any filters i try not to uh, filters are pretty useless i feel uh, you basically put putting some piece of glass in front of your camera and reducing the light that is entering into uh, your camera uh, i don't see a reason to do it i mean if you can bracket a shot i think that will give you the most amount of data um, and i don't see a need to uh, use filters in that, that case if you're only doing it for dynamic range i don't think it's required but if you are shooting mm-hmm. water like foggy um, scenes yeah, motion motion water yeah uh, if you want to create atmosphere or you know reduce the amount of detail you have in the sky if the sky is too jagged if you want to you know smooth it out and stuff then i use filters um i which ones do, do you have, use i have haida's m10 filter system that goes on most of my lenses like all lenses except for the ultra wide 12 to 24 mm um so and i just use regular screw on filters or uh, drop in filters uh i don't like the magnetic ones because i can't use it with my gloves on um i find it very hard to uh, to find the edge and t- take it out and stuff uh so i don't use magnetic filters as much um i have tried them but i didn't like the experience and i don't want to have multiple filter system for different seasons to want to use in summer want to use in winter and stuff i'm not uh, yeah. i don't have the, that much space so i can get get around with just using the drop in haida m10 filter system is big enough that you can use it with your gloves on um you don't have to take your gloves off i think that that is a big priority for me um um and besides that i have some rear camera filters for the ultra um, ultra wide um, ultra wide lens so you can just put it at the back of the lens and then put it on and then you don't have to worry about cleaning the filters again and again you can just clean the lens front element and um, you kind of get like the best image quality at least in my experience that, that way uh, especially shooting waterfalls and stuff uh, it's it becomes a lot easier to clean the front element compared to the actual big filter system 